Hello and welcome to another teaching from 119 Ministries. Our ministry believes that the whole Bible is still true and directly related to our lives today. If you would like to know more about what we believe and teach, please visit us at testeverything.net. We hope that you enjoy studying and testing the following teaching. Notice in Zechariah chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling unto all the people round about, when they shall be in the siege both against Judah and against Jerusalem. The word cup in that verse is not as accurate as the Hebrew. The Hebrew word for cup in that verse is actually sof, from H5605 in the Strong's, in its original sense of containing a vestibule, also a dish for holding blood or wine, a basin, a bowl, a cup, door, as in a doorpost, gate, post, or a threshold. In ancient times, and even today in the Middle East, there is a custom called the threshold covenant, which is where people make covenants with one another by putting the blood of an animal, kosher animal in our case, at the threshold of the door. For those who do not know what a threshold is, it is the bottom part of your doors that people step over to enter into your home. In the Eastern world, the threshold was the most sacred part of the entire house. It was where covenants were made with one another and also with deities, the gods or the god of the home. This was and still is a common practice. Do you all remember the Passover account? Yahweh told Israel to put blood of a lamb on the doorposts and mantle. This was a sign of the covenant. We are used to seeing a basin as a bowl that we hold in our hands. However, in ancient times, the basin, the hole, was built into the threshold of the door so you could put the blood into the threshold and then put it on the doorposts. The Passover custom was nothing really new. The ancient cultures did these sorts of things all the time towards their gods and to each other. We are ignorant to these customs because we are westernized. The Bible was written in the Middle East by Eastern people who lived a very Eastern lifestyle, not a Western lifestyle. Therefore, it would serve us well to understand the Bible through the lens of an Eastern culture and not a Western Greco-Roman or American culture. The concept of covenant was rather intense in the Eastern culture. At times, people who were instituting covenants with one another would identify the best of their animals and then take and kill the animals. They would then cut them in pieces so that there would be blood seen in order to show that a blood covenant was being made. They would then set the animal pieces on each side like two rows with a walkway in the middle. They would then say the covenant with each other and then both walk through the walkway between two rows of dead animals. When they were done, they would say to each other, if one of us breaks the covenant we just made with each other, may we be like the animals we just killed. This is significant to understand because Yahweh, the creator of the universe, 
made an everlasting covenant with Abraham. Yahweh came to Abraham in a dream and showed him a bunch of animals already killed. And then Yahweh himself passed between the pieces. Do you see the picture of the covenant Yahweh is trying to show us? We wouldn't realize this unless we understood the customs of the covenant according to the Eastern cultures. Genesis chapter 15. And it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces, which was the pieces of the animals. In the same day Yahweh made a covenant with Abraham, saying, Unto thy seed I have given this land, from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates. Now with all that in mind, now you understand more fully the context of Zechariah 12.2, when Yahweh says, I will make Jerusalem a threshold of trembling. In other words, Jerusalem is the anointed place where the Messiah will reign and where Yahweh has placed his name. It is the threshold of his house. So this means something. This is important. Those who cross over it with evil intent in their hearts show that they despise his covenant and they will become like the cut up pieces of the animals that were killed. This is heavy duty covenant language. You might ask, how can we really be sure that this is covenant language? Let's examine the very next verse of Zechariah 12, verse 3. And in that day I will make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all people. All that burden themselves with it shall be cut in pieces, though all the people of the earth will be gathered together against it. Here you have Zechariah chapter 12, verses 2 through 3 using ancient covenant language to express the heart of Yahweh. Those who cross over his threshold, which is Jerusalem, the place of covenant, with evil intent, shall be cut to pieces like animals as if one broke covenant with another man right after walking through the animal pieces, like the example at Genesis 15. If Jerusalem is the threshold of Yahweh where the covenant is made with all nations, then what blood was shed at that threshold to regather us back to his covenant. Jesus, or his Hebrew name, Yeshua, should have come to mind. Yeshua was sent as the Lamb of Yahweh, whose blood was shed in Jerusalem, the threshold of Yahweh, so that we can be renewed into his covenant and be Israel again. Yeshua was not sent to shed his blood so that we can reject the law or the Torah of Yahweh. Yeshua was sent to shed his blood because we have all transgressed Yahweh's Torah because we have all sinned and broke his Torah. Incorporating pagan God worship days and ways and dissolving such blessing-filled commandments such as the Sabbath, feast days, and dietary instructions was never part of what Yeshua intended to do. Those things are still part of the covenant that Yeshua brought us back into. Here's the final point. In Eastern culture, a way a person would show hatred towards someone who wants to be in covenant is by refusing to step over the threshold. Instead, the person showing hatred toward the covenant would trample and stomp on the threshold of a person's home. This was considered worse than cursing at your neighbor. Now with that in mind, please consider this verse prayerfully and carefully. Hebrews chapter 10. For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. 
of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he have thought worthy who has trampled, stomped the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing, and insulted the Spirit of grace? So, do you see the connection? Do you see how covenant language was used in that verse concerning trampling or stomping on the blood? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 30. For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And again, Yahweh will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. The reality is that someday, Yahweh is going to come and clean house. Everything we just read was prefaced in verse 25 in the context of when we see that day approaching. Verse 25. And so much more as you see the day approaching. This, of course, is the day of the Lord, which is a thousand-year-long day, which starts with the judgment of the believers. The judgment for unbelievers does not happen till after the 1,000 years. Many do not really fully understand the day of the Lord. Most understand, after reading 2 Thessalonians 2, for example, that the day of the Lord is when Yeshua returns, and that the prophets, in their many mentions of the day of the Lord, indicate that it begins with judgment, and judgment begins in the house of Yahweh first. Remember, we just read this. In the context of the day of the Lord, we are told by Peter that a day is a thousand years, 2 Peter 3.8, even revealing to us before Revelation was written that the day of the Lord was to be 1,000 years. We are told that our Lord Yeshua is going to reign for a thousand years in Revelation 20, verse 4. Are you starting to see why this is called the day of the Lord? It should start becoming clear now. It's because our Lord will be reigning for a full day, or 1,000 years. It is His day, the Lord's day. For more on this, we will recommend the following teachings. Hebrews chapter 4, in His rest now or later. The fourth and seventh day, parts 1 and 2 and the creation prophecy. Interestingly enough, at the end of 1,000 years, Yeshua hands the authority and kingdom back to the Father. Why is this important to understand? Why does it even matter? It matters because the last 1,000 years, the last day, is the end of this 7,000-year period. The 1,000 years in which Yeshua comes back to reign is the seventh day. Perhaps you are now seeing why this is important especially if you have Hebrews chapter 3 and 4 in mind. The 1,000-year reign of Yeshua is our Sabbath rest. It is the rest that we are waiting to enter after judgment. Remember, Yeshua said that He is Lord of the Sabbath. The weekly Sabbath is a prophetic foreshadowing of the last 1,000 years, the day of the Lord, that we are still waiting to enter. Remember, the Lord's day has always been His Sabbath, the seventh day. The promise still remains of us entering his rest. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. Then the author of Hebrews warns us about what happened to Israel in the desert. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. Did you hear that? They had the same gospel preached to them as we did. They had the same word of God, the same message. How many have thought that we had a new gospel in the New Testament? They did not have the faith to carry out the word of God. For if they really had faith, they would have done the word of God. 
We do what we believe, right? But we who have faith, who have believed, then enter that rest. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 3. For we who have believed do enter that rest, as he has said. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Notice just like verse 1 stated that we have not yet entered into that rest. Verse 3 focuses on those who have believed, past tense. Verse 2 indicates that those who successfully walked out their faith, believed or ran the race as Paul calls it, are those who can enter his rest. We believe and we are believing. But until we reach the end, we have not yet fully believed. Past tense. Then the author begins teaching the day of the Lord, the day of rest, as the seventh day. Verses 4 through 10. For he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this place, they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains that some must enter it. And those to whom it was first preached did not enter because of disobedience. Again, he designates a certain day, saying in David, Today, after such a long time as it has been said, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afterward have spoken of another day. There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Did you notice what has been said here? It's said that if there was another day spoken of, then they have not yet entered his rest. We know that there is another day spoken of, the day of the Lord. So we also know that we have not yet entered his rest. You see, there is another day that we look forward to, the day of rest. It is not until we enter the Sabbath rest, the last 1,000 years, the day of the Lord, that we finally cease from our work. Most of us agree that we are still working. We are still sharing the word and teaching the nations. The rest still remains. You still might ask, how does this relate to the threshold covenant? Well, remember, Israel in the desert trampled all over the covenant, and they did not enter into his rest. They continued to willfully sin. They continued in disobedience. They received the same gospel as us, but they did not walk it out in faith. Remember what we also read in Hebrews chapter 10. Chapter 4 obviously precedes chapter 10. Chapter 10 listed the consequences of continuing in willful sin after we received the knowledge of truth. It listed the judgment one would receive in trampling on the blood of the covenant and insulting the spirit of grace. So if we do not follow the word of God, does that mean that we will not enter the pending 1,000-year rest at the day of the Lord? Let's continue reading chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. We need to be diligent in order to enter that rest, which means being in sync with the word of God, not against it. 
There are so many reasons to not trample the blood of the covenant once you know the truth. If you say you believe and have faith in the Word of God, which is who Yeshua claims to be, the same today, yesterday, and forever, then I strongly encourage you to begin following all of the Word of God instead of select portions of it. Tribulation could be coming soon. Please repent to the covenant, surrender, and learn His ways before the storm comes upon you as a thief in the night. Don't fall into His judgment as Hebrews chapter 4 and 10 warn us. Do not trample the blood of the covenant. Look forward to the seventh day rest, the 1,000 years, the day of the Lord. We do not want you to be ashamed at His coming. We hope that this teaching has blessed you. And remember, continue to test everything. Shalom. It is because of you, our generous supporters, who make it possible to offer these high-quality teachings completely free of charge. If you feel led to support 119 Ministries so that we can continue this effort, please visit testeverything.net and click on the Support 119 tab. Learn how you can partner with us to take the whole Word of God to the nations.